is Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Bernie versus biotech and everyone versus robocalls. But first, Angels in Hell. So that was the title of a recent New York Times investigation into the culture at Victoria's Secret, the multi-billion dollar women's lingerie retailer that has begun to fall on hard times. In short, it found that Ed Razick, the former chief marketing officer of parent company L Brands, was the subject of numerous complaints by Victoria's Secret models, including trying to kiss them and having them sit on his lap. Razick, who also publicly said that the Victoria's Secret fashion show would never have plus size or transgender models because the show is, quote, a fantasy, was canned eventually last August. But the Times reports that L Brand CEO Les Wexner had long been aware of the accusations and kept him around. Or as the Times wrote, quote, two powerful men presided over an entrenched culture of misogyny, bullying and harassment. Why it matters is threefold. First, because obviously this is just the latest in what seems to be an endless stream of cultural rot within American business. Second, because Wexner has also been in the news for his deep personal business ties to Jeffrey Epstein. And third, really because Victoria's Secret, even if it had none of that other stuff going on, is an iconic brand in trouble, a mall-based specialty retailer that's being pecked at by e-commerce upstarts with very different marketing sense. In fact, a private equity firm called Sycamore Partners, which uh, recently bought Staples, has been in talks to acquire a majority stake in L Brands, after which it would likely shut lots of stores and install its own CEO. The bottom line, the angels may have been in hell, but the overall company seems to be in limbo. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Sapna Maheshwari, one of the reporters who worked on that New York Times investigation. But first, this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. We're joined now by Sapna Mashwari, business reporter at the New York Times. So Sapna, let's start here. You guys published and you were a co-byline on this huge Angels in Hell story that published a couple days ago. Talk to me a little bit about the background. Why did the Times start looking into this particular story and how long ago? This investigation is one that we've been working on for months. And I would say that the sort of catalyst for the story came last summer when the ties between Victoria's Secret's parent company CEO, the L Brand CEO, Les Bessner, his tie to Jeffrey Epstein became public. Obviously, this is a huge deal. Les Wexner, for those who might not follow the retail industry, is really one of the legends in the business. He is a billionaire in Ohio, and he has employed a ton of people in the area and been behind brands like Abercrombie & Fitch, Bath & Body Works, Victoria's Secret, Lane Bryant, really a lot of the mall as we know it. And so the ties between Wexner and Epstein were obviously a huge news event, and we started investigating those and over time became very interested in the culture at Victoria's Secret more broadly. In your reporting on Victoria's Secret and Wexner and Razak, what was the most surprising thing you learned? I think the most surprising thing was how long this was going on with Ed Razak, who oversaw the Victoria's Secret fashion show, and for how many years this sort of culture was permitted and maybe even encouraged. We were also really surprised when one of the top 
women executives at L Brands finally came forward about Ed Razik and was essentially put on leave. I think Jim Stewart spoke to this in his column after our investigation ran, but the in the Me Too era, it was certainly a surprise to see um, a, a major public company respond this way to a woman reporting harassment. Let's fast forward a bit. From a business perspective, what is ailing Victoria's Secret? Because you say it is an, not an anchor, but it is a stalwart in malls. I think it is the retailer most of us think of first when it comes to women's lingerie, but they are having troubles. What's the big picture for why the company is struggling? I would say the big picture is that the advertising that they use and the way that they represent women has started to be, it's been viewed as out of touch in the past few years. And I think a lot of that criticism has centered on the Victoria's Secret fashion show, which for years was this huge event. It was a really cool thing. If you look back, the Spice Girls have played it. Taylor Swift has played it. Bruno Mars. It was really a cultural moment, but that has shifted in the past few years. And Victoria's Secret has come under a lot of criticism for portraying a really specific body type. People have asked, why aren't they showing curvier women this uh, show and this advertising is objectifying women? And so they found themselves out of touch um, after really, you know, being a cultural kind of sensation for a long time. How much of that criticism do you feel is organic and how much of it do you feel has been stirred up? And that's not to make it illegitimate, but has been kind Mm -hmm. of uh, perpetuated by, for example, someone like Third Love, which is a kind of upstart rival, which has been pretty vocal about this. It's hard to say. I do think that Victoria's Secret, you know, one reason it's an important company to report on is it is definitely the dominant lingerie player in the specialty space. It brings in billions of dollars in revenue. But Third Love, as the DCC company, it's not the only one that has been fighting against some of this imagery. I would say the biggest competitor is probably Aerie out of American Eagle, which is a lot smaller compared to Victoria's Secret, but has really leaned into this idea of not photoshopping, of portraying a diverse set of bodies. And While that is geared a little bit more to a teen consumer, it has really resonated and they're enormous, actually, by revenue. And am I correct in saying Victoria's Secret and really only the last over the last several months has started, it seems, to change its marketing a bit to to respect. As you say, obviously, the, the fashion show got dropped, but even in its kind of print and TV ads seems to be trying to convert more into that airy third love model, correct? A little bit of it, but not a whole lot. In the fall, they did announce some changes at their investor day. But it looked like they were going back, perhaps, to a sort of London aesthetic and British sensibility that they cultivated many years ago. And when they showed a slightly curvier woman on Instagram, there was a lot of likes. And some analysts thought that this might be a turning point. But, yeah, I would say canceling the fashion show is probably the biggest thing we've seen out of them in terms of changing the imagery. You guys have reported it, uh, Wall Street Journal's reported we've reported it. The company is kind of, sort of, for sale. Sycamore Partners, this big private equity firm that's kind of known for f- catching falling knives in retail, has made an offer. Another private equity firm might be involved. What's your sense of where that process is right now? We're not quite sure where that is right now. I think that after our story, we've heard from even more former executives and employees and current ones as well. And There's certainly a lot of pressure on Les Wexner, and I think a lot of pressure to change how the company has been doing things. You said you've been hearing from people. Are there more time bombs to come? Um, 
I think that this is a company we're still continuing to report on, and we're certainly hearing more from other people on this. Taking a kind of broader look, are Victoria's Secret's troubles, not its cultural troubles, but its top-line business troubles, is that, from your perspective, mostly specific to Victoria's Secret, or is it simply part of a much broader issue when it comes to physical-based and really mall-based specialty retail? I think it's definitely a mix. I, I think it can be forgotten that Les Wexner and Elle Brands have leaned very heavily into mall stores and the store as a point of marketing and reaching consumers. And we all know that's a really challenging bet to make right now, what malls you're in and reaching consumers that way. I, as a consumer, have seen a lot more ads for Adore Me and Third Love and other DTC competitors on Instagram. I can't remember ever seeing a Victoria's Secret ad there. So I would say that their retail industry challenges are definitely magnified by all of these corporate issues facing them. Sabna Maheshwari of The New York Times, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My final two, right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Bernie Sanders, who still may eke out a win in Iowa and is the consensus frontrunner in New Hampshire. As we all know, Bernie's top policy goal is to fundamentally change American health care via his Medicare for All plan. But as I reported today in the Pro Rata newsletter, his ascendancy in the Democratic Party does not seem to be affecting venture capitalists who back early stage drug companies. Why it matters is that biotech venture is often a zero sum game in which either the drug doesn't work and the whole investment is worthless or it does work and the sky's the limit. A President Sanders would try to limit that upside, but again, healthcare VCs are in a see no Sanders, hear no Sanders mode when it comes to a challenge to their risk reward profile. Three reasons. One, they don't believe he'll win. Two, even if he does win, they don't believe he can get his health care policies through Congress. Three, even if they are wrong about numbers one and two, there's just not much they feel they can do to hedge their bets. As one told me, it would be like trying to hedge against hyperinflation of the dollar. At some point, it's just chaos. And finally this morning, the Federal Communications Commission became the latest federal agency to move against robocallers as part of a coordinated effort that already included the Justice Department and Federal Trade Commission. Specifically, all three are trying to get phone carriers to step up their efforts, particularly to trace back the originators of illegally spoofed foreign robocalls, maybe like the one that recently pretended to be calling me from my kid's school. Going forward, expect more pressure and enforcement actions against carriers if they don't the billions of robocalls that light up American phones each and every month. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national shower with a friend day. So yeah, do whatever you want to do with that. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.